You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, People of the internet, welcome to Modern Day Debate. Tonight we are debating the flat earth. We have Mr. Sensible crossing swords with Brian, formerly Flat Earth Tests. They will have uh, 12 minutes each for opening, 55 minutes of open discussion, and a 35-minute Q&A. Uh, Brian is going to be going first tonight, and uh, he has a presentation he's going to present to us. So, Brian, I will go ahead and kick it over to you at your first word, and I have a share screen for you as well. So, let me go ahead and get that up for you. Let's see. So, you have a share screen? Yep, it's up there ready to go, and I will start playing whenever you're ready to go. Okay, I'll tell you what, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm pretty much ready. All right. Okay, All right. this is a, a little piece. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Mike Cavanaugh, Dr. Zach, and, um, and um, Steve Torrance. If you want to see this model in detail, go to Steve on YouTube. This is just a little piece of it. It's, it's literally terabytes of, of data. It models all the planets, the sun, the moon. And I just want, this is, um, it's just a little, little, like I said, tiny piece of it. It's based on a toroidal system, uh, and the sun is like a magnetic focal point. And um, like I said, if you're interested in seeing it in detail, then it's on YouTube. So here, and I just wanted to back it up with a little quick bit of evidence. You see the clouds behind them thick, I mean, in front of them thick clouds. Where I'm from, the sun or the clouds block the sun that are that thick. So that kind of supports the idea that it, it is possibly a magnetic focal point or maybe even a focal point of light. So this is, um, this is Dr. Zach pretty much. I'm, I'm trying to narrate this. So I'm going to say he's just explaining how they, all they had to do is add the atmosphere and um, all the months of them trying to put this thing together, it fell right into place and uh, they added it to a globe and it did the same thing as it did on a flat earth. Um, it, instead of the sun setting first and then the, uh, the real sun actually setting behind it, the apparent sun set afterwards. So it kind of uh, contradicted the globe a little bit. But it, um, and then he goes on and he shows, he shows um, the model, the FE model up against the globe model. 
uh, to a video he took in in reality. <laughs> and um, it, it pretty much everything matches. He says, you know, pretend you're seeing a hot spot on a lake. If you're seeing a hot spot on a lake five miles away and it's 10 miles across the lake, if you go to the other side of the lake and you turn back and look, you're not going to see the hot spot hitting the lake through the clouds. It's going to sun's going to be behind you. So everybody has a personal sun. It's it's, um, you know, basically refracted, if you will. And it's it, trying to triangulate. It's like trying to triangulate a rainbow. Here's another flat earth model. I believe he made this for um, for celestial navigation. Uh, if you want to see this in detail, go to truelon.com, dot com. dot com. And um, and that's based on a, the refraction and i think it's like the sun is a focal point of light um let's see so here's an eclipse we're looking at it and you have the sun pointing i mean the moon's light is on the top side of the moon and so we look at the sun and where is it at it's down about to set so what they tell us is that the sun, if it's only one degree above the horizon, it's it's over a million miles above your feet because it's so far away. Okay, um, we go back and look at it. So there's the shadow it's casting on me. Why ain't it doing that to the moon? We go back about half an hour later, and it's the same thing except the sun's just further down. So um, what I do is I go and I check that math. I go to the uh, triangle calculator and and put in a distance of of 93 million miles and um, a one degree theta angle and sure enough yeah it's one thousand i mean one million six hundred thousand miles so if the sun that's how they explain this so if the sun is above your feet i mean above the horizon one degree it's literally one million six hundred thousand miles above your head okay so i had some people saying that there's the uh there's the info if you want to see it right there one million six hundred thousand miles so if it's two degrees above, it's over three million miles above your feet on a from a tangent. Okay, so so that brought into question. Okay, what about these clouds that are underlit with the sun that's on the horizon? If the light's coming in parallel, then um, how is it hitting the bottom of these clouds? If it's if it's two or three degrees above the horizon, it should be millions of miles above that cloud. So then they I found a picture with the sun on the horizon and and supposedly globe proof. And right there, the diverging angles alone, you know, are enough to prove a local sun to me. But look, this sun's three or four degrees above the horizon, yet it's shining on the bottom of the cloud. So I ask, how can all these images exist if the light is parallel? That's an impossibility. If the light is shining down on the moon, okay, and down on down on a shadow on the ground, how is it simultaneously casting a shadow up into the clouds or shining light directly on the bottom of clouds? That violates the parallel light. I don't see any way of getting around that, but, you know, I'm, I'm all ears. Um, so I'll give more examples of that. And uh, these the sun's clearly on the horizon in, in all these pictures. That's the closest one. And, um, and it's still on the horizon. So one argument gets them tangled up into another one twice as bad. 
And that's this is not the only time it happens. It happens a lot. What seems like uh, good glow proof, if you look at in detail and scrutinize it, you will, uh, you know, you'll, you'll run into more problems with the globe. Okay, so the, here's how they explain the parallel light, which is fine. If, uh, if the light followed the latitude lines, okay, so I went to Google Earth and uh, we're observer twos at the equator seeing the sunrise on an equinox. Okay, he's looking due east. So I, uh, um, I typed in my location, or actually at the beach near my location at Jack's Beach Pier. And um, so a uh, guy sent me a video. He, he's trying to teach me uh, parallel light on the equinox. He said the parallel lines are in space, not on the globe. So, you know, I want to put that to the test. I go to Google Earth and I look and I'm like, you know, it would work fine on a cylinder. So the parallel light, we could be parallel with the equator. But on a globe, you know, we're changing um, orientation. So we're, I want to check and see how, how that works. Um, so the first thing I did when I found out about Flat Earth is uh, the first equinox. I went down to the beach, and this is something I set up. I set up two string lines, and uh, one compass east and one due east. And when the sun came up right after this photo, and uh, it sure enough, it split due east. So the sun does, in fact, come in due east, at least for me, and it's supposedly for everybody on Earth, um, on equinox. So there's a little setup of me there's me as a stick figure looking there's the pier next to me and uh so i want to see where i'm where am i looking so i'll go to google earth and one thing i know is that google earth uh, will only plot uh, portions of a great circle or a great circle so that's a straight line with respect to your orientation on the globe model so whatever direction your line's going off into if you go down to the 3d view that's what way you're looking so there's me next to the pier, and there's a sun just trickling above the horizon. Okay, and uh, so I go to see which way I'm facing, and uh, and I'm facing above Africa, just off the coast, six thousand miles away. So I type in a uh, there's uh, south of the equator at, on the same longitude, and uh, looking at a sun just poking above the horizon, I see the same thing. So I do understand that the line is not following. Uh, the ground it's supposed to be looking off into space so if I'm looking at a sun that's just about to rise um, I do realize if I start heading toward it I will get higher above the earth but I'm still going to be heading in that direction that's like I said that's part of a great circle so I uh, use that so they couldn't bend and warp it so they try and uh, show you uh, light coming in over half the globe so they could bend you over backwards but uh, if you're with the same orientation as the equator it would work fine the problem is as soon as you leave the equator you change orientation and um and so that's where uh i don't know if i want to call it a trick but that's where the the mistake is uh you know kind of got all our heads thinking it works it's bent over backwards but if you if you pull strings on a globe uh, i think you'll you'll see the same thing it, it's it's because it's a flat line so it'll set out further uh, you know, a few thousand miles further. That's kind of what the local sun model uh, predicts anyway. Um, I don't even I've seen them try to model it. They still have that that slight convergence from the observer north and south of the equinox. So the parallel sun. 93 million miles to me is uh, is just totally destroyed, you know, at this point. So but here's a, uh, about the stars. And uh, so there's the moon. And uh, I play a couple of um, 
star trail time lapse with the moon in it. And so whatever the moon, wherever it's at in the ecliptic, it's following them stars. So if it's over the equator, it's going straight. Now, I don't think I'll get any uh, friction on that. They have to agree with that. And um, so I got to thinking, okay, so we can't show the moon. We can't show the sun in more than one location at once. And we can't get shadows from stars. But what we can do is use a little logic. And uh, I played Mr. Sensible uh, saying that the stars were uh, deviating or they were separating going off to the north in the northern hemisphere and then he uh took it back when i said that they're separating he's like oh no no they're not separating so uh it, it gets into a technical argument even here's stellarium it even when you flatten out the horizon it still shows separation there was a the astronomy society saying that there's three paths to the stars straight over the equator uh, and then right toward the northern hemisphere and left depending on uh your direction so anyway so we're, I want to, um, and I also in there, I, you couldn't hear it, but um, I had other Globers saying that it's not perspective. It's not a wide angle lens that has nothing to do with it. Um, but so here I have the, um, like I said, the moon following the star trail. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually use, use sun count. Sorry. We're going to plot the angle to stars using sun count because, like I said, we know the sun follows the stars in its path. So, so here we go. And so, anybody who doesn't know about uh, side count, we'll call it uh, that ball is the sun or represents the sun. The stars in this in this example actually, um, the stick underneath it represents the shadow that we measure. So there's uh, directly south under the equator, and we see. The divergence and we do measure these shadows so if you are a observer at the equator and you're in your front yard you have a little five by five perfectly flat square okay you set it up in a one meter stick you will measure these stars physically deviate they they will deviate we can measure it and i say what's that tell us it tells us there's more than one there's more than one um start there's more than one point you know it's not antipodal is what i'm trying to say there's a couple of different separate star rotations thank you all right thank you so much brian for your opening statement we will go ahead and kick it over to mr sensible for his opening statement okay let me get my screen shared if i may Brian, I'm getting all my voice straight back at me through your... I'll go ahead and mute him now. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> right, sure. So while he goes ahead and uh, uh, gets his screen share set up, I just want to say uh, that we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics, and we want you to feel welcome no matter what walk of life you're from. And uh, if you have a question for one of tonight's debaters, please fire into the old live chat and tag me at Modern Day Debate. Super Chats will go to the top of the list, and uh, they will get priority. And please keep it civil. Insults will not be read. And with that, uh, let's see if this works. Brian, okay. I will go ahead and start your timer at your first word. Oh, wait, so I'm sorry, not Brian. Mr. Sensible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Brian said, okay, Brian suggested that this debate was on sun, stars, and then when I pushed him, he broke it down, say sun angles, flat and glow, parallel rays, Coriolis, and star trails, which I thought was a bit vague, but let's see how I do. 
First of all, what are stars? This is Webb's first deep field from the James Webb telescope. It covers a patch of sky that's approximately the size of one grain of sand held at arm's length. This was a 12 and a half hour exposure in several different wavelengths. It's galaxy cluster SMACS0723. The cluster is 4.6 billion light years away. The smeary lines are other galaxies that are further away still. They're smeared due to galactic lensing, as predicted by Einstein. The mass of the cluster is bending the light of the further galaxies. This shows that there is a real gravitational effect caused by their mass. This is how it works. Light from the distant objects travels past the supermassive object, like a galaxy, and the rays of light are bent due to the curvature in space-time. This is an image of space-time curvature. Here is... Oh, sorry. Sorry, one second. Uh, this, uh, crumbs, I'm losing track of which one I'm on. Two, three. Sorry. Uh, here's another example. An Einstein ring where a distant galaxy right, has been... I'm sorry. Hold on one second. Are you... No, uh, oh, I am. Oh, it's locked on one... One. Um... Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Looks right. Like I, I, this point. Hold on. Can I stop and share it again? Yeah, let's do that. Darn. Share and I want to let you know, folks, that our guests are linked in the description below. So if you're listening on YouTube or the podcast, that you can uh, check them out if you like what you're hearing. Okay, if that. I may just race through the first bit. So sure. the first the, the first image was the Hubble uh, Deep Field covering one grain of sand area of the sky. Uh, you can see the smears of the uh, further galaxies that have been uh, lensed. Um, and this is how it works, showing the image. Hopefully it's coming up. So you've got the distant object with its light rays traveling past the supermassive object, rays of light being bent due to the curvature in space-time. This is an Einstein ring where a distant galaxy has been lensed and distorted by the object in front. Uh, like the way a glass orb twists and bends things that you can see through it. Einstein had predicted that light would be bent by gravity and distorted space-time, but there's no way of seeing this on a galactic scale at that time. However, we do have the Sun, and that also should bend light due to its gravity. This can only be seen during an eclipse when the solar disk is covered. In 1919, Sir Arthur Eddington carried out an expedition to Brazil to see a solar eclipse. This had been calculated to occur using orbital mechanics and based on gravity, the orbits of the moon and Earth, and Earth being a sphere. And he tried to test the, th the theory. He, he imaged stars right near the eclipse sun that were appearing in slightly the wrong positions due to their light being bent. Einstein's idea was demonstrated as correct. This shows that the sun is a massive physical object, so massive that it's warping space-time, making the light travel in a geodesic that appears to us as bent. So what is a sun made of? If you split the light of its spectrum, you get absorption lines, known as Fraunhofer lines. Each element causes lines at different points in the spectrum, like a barcode. So once we have the code, we can tell what is absorbed and hence what the elements are. Here's a spectrum of the sun. Reading the lines, we can ascertain the physical makeup of the sun, all its constituent elements, again shown as a physical object, and enabling us to deduce how it works, i.e. nuclear fusion. We can look at the spectra of other stars and see what they are made of. These are spectra from stars of different types. The sun is the G2 star just below the centre. You can do the same with galaxies, and you get an interesting effect, spectrum redshift. The lines in the spectra still show the same barcode patterns, but they're shifted towards the red. This is Doppler shift. Like the sound of a train or a car horn passing, the notes drop as the wavelengths are stretched out. Think of it like pond ripples. Someone drops a weight in water. Imagine ripples passing you at a rate of one per second. If you walk towards the drop point, 
ripples would pass you more often, the frequency is higher. If you walk away, almost at the speed of the ripples, they take longer to catch up with you, less pass you, perhaps one every two seconds, and the frequency is lower. The galactic light is redshifted as they're moving away, and the frequency of light waves we receive drops. So we know the stars and galaxies are physical and a long way away, and accelerating as well at increasing uh, velocity. So why parallel light? Well, if I quickly play this, I don't need sound. So if this tree in the middle represents the sun, light rays hit your eyes coming from any part of it, top, bottom, left, and right. We can see, as I point out, that they arrive from different angles. If we look at another tree further away, light from the left and right still come from different angles, but it's smaller angles. They're closer to parallel. It's the angular size of that tree. The sun's angular size is approximately half a degree in the sky, meaning light arriving here can at most be only half a degree from parallel. Stars are point sources of light, and the angle is infinitely smaller again. We can treat sun and starlight as parallel. So why is parallel light useful? Well, Eratosthenes used the fact of parallel light and the position of the sun to calculate the circumference of the Earth. He knew how far the second reading was from the first, knew the difference in angles, and so could work out how far around the sphere it was, and hence the entire circumference. We rely on parallel light in order for sextants to work. If we put Mr. S at the GP of the sun, with it 90 degrees overhead, the zenith, and then add a second Mr. S further away, the sun for him is, say, 10 degrees off of the zenith. He's 10 degrees around the sphere. Every degree is 60 minutes of arc. Therefore, he's 600 arc minutes away around the curve. This is referred to as 600 nautical miles, with one nautical mile being 1.15078 miles. So he is 690.468 miles away from Mr. S1. A nautical mile, by definition, is one minute of arc around a curve. It relies on the fact the Earth is a sphere. If Mr. S are triplets, and a third is in the other location, with the sun 20 degrees off zenith, he's double the angle of Mr. S2, and at that twice, at, at twice the angle, he's also twice the distance. 1,200 nautical miles, 1380.935 miles from Mr. S1. This relationship always holds true. This explains why sextants and celestial navigation cannot work on a flat plane with a local sun or with non-parallel light. Here we got seven Mr. S's, each with a sun a multiple of 10 degrees from zenith. Each should be exactly 600 nautical miles from the other. Simple geometry shows this doesn't work. The distance between them increases the further the sun is off of zenith. On a flat earth, each 10 degrees the sun is off zenith does not equate to the same distance, 600 nautical miles. The sextant wouldn't work and it would be useless. Please note this Mr. Nathan Mute Boy Oakley, failsoid and bitch made from Australia. So what about star trails? We know that time-lapse images show stars apparently rotating around a point near Polaris, anti-clockwise. Yet that's rising in the east to the west. And clockwise around a point near Sigma Octanus in the south, still rising east to west. Flat Earthers seem to have a problem visualising this and get hung up on clockwise and anti-clockwise. That isn't the issue. The issue is it's impossible to have two points of rotation over a flat plane unless stars move, move further apart and close together during the night, like gears meshing. Imagine a bike wheel with two hubs. Try rotating it around both hubs at the same time. Two points of rotation require a 3D environment, an axis of rotation through north and south and a 3D Earth. It could be any shape apart from flat. The trails are circular and not ellipses, which again couldn't happen over a flat earth. What I'll do is I'll play this next video without sound and, and talk it. So a nice demo for Mr. Brian Leakey. So I've got a camera and I'm going to turn around and keep turning in the same direction. 
So I start rotating towards the east. And the center view at the top shows the view you'd get over the equator. Stars would be rising at one side, going straight across and dropping on the other side. I tilt the camera up, looking towards Polaris. Now we can see rotation about a point in the sky. It's going anti-clockwise. I then point the camera down, carry rotating the same direction, and we get rotation counter to the original uh, rotation, which now is clockwise. This cannot happen on a flat Earth because you have no way of looking below ground level. So Coriolis. Flat Earthers also can't understand Coriolis, which relies on moving from an area of one rotational velocity to one of a differing rotational velocity while maintaining the original velocity due to conservation of momentum. It wouldn't result in balloons or helicopters lifting off and having Earth turn underneath. Balloons travel with the atmosphere and they just get moved around by the air. And helicopters also the same, but, but also a powered craft, continually adjusting their position. Now, this time what I want to do is unshare and share uh, a particular video, if I may. Just bear with me a second. I'm getting good at this now, I think, I hope. Uh, number 17. Here we go, because this one's got sound. Coriolis would be the turning of the Earth underneath an object above it, like this. That, most emphatically, is not Coriolis. And what's more, it's impossible due to the conservation of momentum. If we take a tennis ball and just drop it, as expected, it goes straight down towards the Earth due to gravity. Now let's apply 20 miles per hour of momentum. As the ball is released, it falls to the ground at the same rate. However, this time, it's also got a forward momentum of an additional 20 miles an hour. It tries to maintain that momentum. An object in motion will remain in motion unless acted on by an outside force. So to compare the two, while the car is stationary, the ball falls directly downwards to the orange marker box. If we place another marker box under the point where the ball was released while traveling at 20 miles an hour, it totally misses. It's still accelerating downwards at exactly the same rate of 9.8 meters per second per second, but it has the additional velocity forward and it maintains that momentum. We'll start by marking our center point, the point of rotation, and another point out towards the outer edge. Now let's say we want to fire a cannon from the outer mark to the middle. We're going to want it to go in a straight line like this. But the outer areas are having to move faster than the inner areas to complete each rotation. The cannonball will fly straight directly up the screen but it has a sideways velocity due to its momentum it had at the start. That gives us a curved path. That is Coriolis. Coriolis is the deflection from a straight path that is apparently seen on a rotating surface when you are moving from an area at one rotational speed to an area at another rotational speed, but while maintaining your initial momentum. So, it's a globe. I checked. Please subscribe, Mr. Baldy. Sensible Cats and Mr. Sensible Live. Suck it up, princess. Thank you very much. That's, that's the end of my presentation. All right. Thank you so much, Mr. Sensible, for your opening statement. Ten and seconds left. <laughs> yeah. Great time. Yeah. 
So we'll go ahead and kick it into the open discussion in just a second. But again, I just want to remind everybody that we are a neutral platform hosting debates on uh, science, religion, and politics. I want you to feel welcome no matter what walk collector you're from. And uh, tag me at Modern Day Debate if you have a question for one of tonight's debaters. Super chats go to the top of the list. Uh, they get priority. And make sure you keep it civil. Don't attack uh, the person. Attack the argument. Uh, moderators are working to uh, keep the, the conversation elevated. So make sure you uh, show them respect to each other as well. Hit the subscribe button. We have plenty more debates coming your way. You don't want to miss. And uh, our guests are linked in the description below. So if you're listening on YouTube or the podcast, make sure you check them out if you like what you're hearing. And uh, we, with that, we will go ahead and kick it into the open discussion for about approximately uh, 55 minutes, I believe. So uh, at your first word, gentlemen, uh, we will go ahead and start that out. That was uh, yeah, go on, some go presentation. On. That was some presentation, man. Am I, am I debating uh, you or Wikipedia, man? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably, I wanna, uh, hey, well, before we get started real quick, can, we, uh, can I, uh, I want to offer you this. I want to offer you where we can each invoke up to three yes or no questions. If you say it beforehand, and uh, it's nothing, you know, solid. It's not a prove all, end all type of thing. But if you want to do that, I'll I'll offer you three direct yes or no questions. If you invoke. Well, I'm not sure where the these debate. rules are suddenly coming from. I think That's it's just, just an a, idea. discussion. I mean, I'll okay. answer I'll answer questions honestly as best I can. I hope you will too. I do want to yeah, ask you, Brian. I do want to ask you. You said about the stars with the rotation. Are you saying that during the night they will separate? And get closer together. Yes, and uh, if I could well, then, um, listen, I, in that I, case, I, you would be able to show me. You would be able to show me one image of a, a, a star constellation, like say Orion, that's distorted because it's being ripped apart as it goes to. Oh yeah, ways. yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happens. The belt of Orion uh, follows the equator. Yes, it does, man. I, I showed uh, the astronomy club. If you didn't see that. Where they, they there's three star paths. Nobody uh, in mainstream debates this. You, anybody could do a time lapse. Uh, I, I even went as far as going to to sun count and showing you how the sun follows the exact uh, trails depending on where it's at in the ecliptic. Okay, the stars most certainly deviate. Software, you cannot show me any film where or or or, or photos where a constellation has basically spread out and got further apart. What you're talking about is wide-angle photography to get more of the sky showing the rotation, the circles. And Did you the not see? They look straighter. But that effect is just purely down to the lens. If you measure the distance between any of those scars, uh, stars visually, you will find they do not change ever. So, Stel Guaranteed. so Stellarium, you're going to throw out Stellarium? Because I just showed like 30 seconds of Stellarium. With the horizon leveled off, I do understand a wide-angle lens can magnify an effect, but I just showed Stellarium. Stellarium acknowledges the three star paths, okay? The astronomy clubs, um, like I said, when I – them shadows – hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't – hold on. Okay, them shadows represent what's going on. So if you are in a single position at the equator, okay, and you have just one little flat square piece of ground, Five by five. It's a flat. Don't worry about the rest of the earth. Just your one little five by five box. Okay. Now, them. this is what you'll get. This is the angles you'll get. So them stars, if they could leave shadows, they would deviate. Okay. Brian, uh, Brian, Brian, let's say you're looking at Orion. Okay. And according to you, you can see the belt splaying Absolutely. Out. Okay. No, the belt looking, follows the I'm, equator. I'm looking at Orion as well. I do not see them splayed out. I don't think you're looking at it then, Mr. Sensible. I don't see know the any stars 
different people would see the pattern of Orion or whichever constellation differently at the same time. That is patently uh, impossible and patently, I'm sorry to say, absurd. I'm not telling you that it spins full hey, circles. Um, Brian, is there anything that you can do about the audio on your microphone? Yeah, yeah let me try something. I tried to change the settings on my end, but I couldn't do much here. Sorry about that, folks. I see a that's lot what? of uh, complaints in the chat about the microphone, so I just wanted to see if we could do anything yeah, about hopefully it. Hopefully, that's a little bit better, man. You might have to turn me down a little bit. Let's that see. Let's go with that for now and see how it goes. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's going to spin a full circle from the equator. What I'm telling you is that the deviation is measurable. So, whatever's going on, Anybody who looks at the star pass can see Orion's belt. The three stars that make up the belt, I don't know why you don't know this, do follow the equator. And yes, the head of Orion on the horizon, not right above your head. Now, on the horizon, as, as far as the approach and as far as the descent, we absolutely do see and measure separation. That's why in celestial navigation, it's broke down into from the equator. You have a whole separate uh, uh, system in the south than you do the north. Brian, two things. One, I'm getting all that feedback again, which is awful for me. Um, the second is, as I said, if you took a photo of Orion in your position, I took a photo of Orion in my position, they would look identical. There's no perspective. There's no separation and splaying out of the constellation. Orion always looks exactly the same. It never, ever deviates. Never. I wish I could have uh, played the audio. I, I got caught off guard a little bit. I wasn't trying to do nothing. You know, you, you managed to play uh, pre-recorded. If I could have just played the one thing, I'll show you all the top ballers, okay, uh, saying they're different things, but the main ones like Kosho yeah. and all them. Yeah. And uh, listen, no, nobody uh, disp uh, disputes. It's only anti-flat earthers who dispute the three separate star paths. I just showed you the Astronomy Club, uh, Google, Okay, go to Wikipedia. There are three star paths. Okay, and I'm not talking about like I said overhead, and it's ever so right, gentle, right. but it, if, it is it's if existent, they splayed out, out. If they splayed out, then, out, then um, you wouldn't track them properly with telescopes. You couldn't constantly keep a star pattern in a scope the whole time because it would splay out and disappear off the edges. That never happens. Um, you, to be honest, I don't anymore because that's absolutely patently Hold on, you can't depend it. You can't. Hey, uh, gentlemen, uh, we, um, because of the, because the, of the audio feedback audio going feedback on on Brian's microphone, we really have to really just have to really try to try only to take, turns take turns in speaking. So just yeah, I'll, my, I'll, I'll, I'll concise statements and then allow the other person to respond. Yeah, I know. I'll try and mute while I'm not talking. And Mr. Sensible, you do the same. You tend to get a little excited, man. But um. I'm talking about up on on the horizon. This the uh, tracking the stars is not dependable toward the horizon. Okay, the speed changes. You you, you can attribute it to refraction or whatever you want to, but you're not what you're saying. We should see. We do see that. You're saying that it's because of refraction or some of this stuff. But I'll tell you that no, it's because of what we see and we can measure it. It's not. It's ever so gentle, but uh, that's what we see, man. I don't right. know how you're. There, there, there is refraction right in the lower few degrees above the horizon, yes. But looking at star trails, you see the stars going round in a circle if you turn that way. You see them going in a circle the other way if you turn that way. If you use a wide-angle lens, you can see them apparently splaying out, but that's just down to the lens. They never, ever splay out. If you took a, a non-distorting photo of that 
constellation above you, it would look the same there as it does there as it does behind me. So, so how about wow, what, what about Never. Stellarium? Why Stellarium showed uh, deviation? No, none of the star programs uh, hide this. It's ever so gentle, but it's there. You're acting like it's not, and you're the it's only not, one. But okay, so Stellarium's wrong. Then are you telling me Stellarium's wrong? I am saying, I am saying that as a constellation rises, rises, apart from apart that first few degrees of refraction, as it rises, rises passes overhead, overhead or passes over the head that way, uh, it will not change size. I put fifty pounds down to charity if you can show me images, two images of the same constellation, and it has changed. I'll tell you what, man. I, I will play uh, specifically for you. We we went through this. We went over this for days, and uh, you know they they finally had to come to the conclusion. Uh, and I'm talking about your side, the tip of the spear. The people I debate every day had to uh, accept it because it's it happens. It's on the horizon. It's gentle, but it happens. And uh, and you're hold on. Your stars, um, you know, you're talking about a degree or two above the horizon. No, they start changing speed when they drop below like 20 degrees. And us, and half the time when they're under 10 degrees, we don't even see them above the horizon. I don't think you have, I don't think you're doing these observations, or I don't know if you're even claiming you are, but what you're saying we see ain't, ain't it, bud. Okay. I've, half I've the time heard, we don't I've even heard, see I've, the stars sitting on the horizon, bud. I've already acknowledged, I've already acknowledged the lowest few degrees. There is, yeah, refraction, there is refraction, which actually brings me on to one of your images where you showed the sun setting and the apparent setting. That's true. The sun actually sun sets act before you see it set because of refraction. It's lifted just a, a couple of degrees. And so you actually see it disappear a, a couple minutes or whatever after it actually has dropped below the horizon. Refraction is a thing. Yeah, it had, it had to be a thing on either model. But I want to bring it up. Uh, you mentioned Coriolis, and I didn't uh, touch on that in my presentation. No, but you told me you were going to. Go ahead. Yeah, so what I wanted to uh, talk about is um, is like the firing tables and all this. And they, uh, I looked into the math and everything. And uh, the way y'all describe whatever y'all are describing, okay, it's not Coriolis. But I understand what y'all are describing. Uh, and if you want to call it that, that's fine. But um, so... I ask you this: If we're on a cylinder, would would you experience Coriolis uh, traveling from the equator toward the North Pole? No, because okay, because your rotational velocity, velocity is the same at the equator as it is halfway towards the pole. It's a, a, a cylinder. I'm assuming North Pole through the down vertically through the cylinder. So you've got the same rotational velocity. So your conservation of the momentum is the same at the equator. Uh, as your momentum would be uh, halfway up and right up to to the top of that cylinder. So no, there no, would be no Coriolis. No okay. Um, so when you start talking about the uh, atmosphere rotating with the Earth, uh, there are consequences, man, and you can't get around them. You have to ad address them. So I want to uh, bring one up to you. A consequence of the atmosphere moving with the Earth. First off, I want to say that the air is not bound to anything. It, there's no bonds on a molecular level. It's free to rotate. And, uh, you know, winds go whichever way they want. But besides that. Um, whoa, 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 hold on. your point, which is okay. But don't just skip straight on. Let me just address that. Uh, yes, it's not bound. But the atmosphere as a whole is rotating and always has been rotating with the Earth. You're right. There's nothing to force, force it to carry on rotating. But there's nothing to slow it down either. Now, you get variations with winds as, as air moves uh, towards uh, lower pressure areas from higher pressure areas. But overall, the atmosphere is rotating at the same speed as the Earth. 
So it's almost like we're stationary, right? The atmosphere is moving right along with us, right? Almost it's like we're just not moving at all. Okay. Um, well, anyway, my point was is um, is there, so you say there's no Coriolis on the cylinder because of the tangential speed. Okay. So that means that anything off in a tangent, there will be no Coriolis, right? Anything above that tangent line on a globe, anything ab ab beyond a cylinder, in other words, anything the size of a cylinder, which is the tangent from your feet, or above it, in other words, anything steeper, will be, that'd be reverse Coriolis, right? If it's going, in other I, words, I, if, it, if, it's, uh, if we're experiencing Coriolis because the earth is curving down and the tangential speed is changing, that means the tangent would be zero. Below it, as the earth curves, would be the effect we're measuring. Above it would be, we'd be entering a region of, of uh, faster tangential speed. So it'd be reverse Coriolis, right? No, what happens is, let, let's take that typical figure. You're rotating at the equator at 1,000 miles an hour. If you jump up into the air, you're, you're moving eastwards, continuing at 1,000 miles an hour. Now, if you got fired from a cannon headed northwards, you're still going eastwards at 1,000 miles an hour, even though you're also now going uh, northwards. But yeah, the land you're now the land you're now passing over is not going eastwards at a thousand miles an hour. So you appear to yeah, you do uh, end up ahead of yourself. Your path from the ground looks as if it's curved eastwards. Okay, so there would be Coriolis on a cylinder. Okay, well, get, no, no, get, no, 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 because imagine a cylinder halfway down the cylinder. That cylinder's rotating at a thousand miles an hour. Near the top of the cylinder, it's rotating at a thousand miles an hour. It's one rigid cylinder. Yeah, and with so is your wind, though. Hold on, hold on, real quick. With, uh, yeah, but let me you just, just said your just wind is rotating with the Earth. So, what, yes, uh, it is. It, but but so now imagine it's not. instead the Earth as a sphere as two slices, one at the equator, rotating at a thousand miles an hour once per day. One near the near the pole. It's also rotating once per day, but that's a lot slower because it doesn't have to go so fast to get round once per day. So if you stepped from one uh, from one slice to the next slice, suddenly you're going faster than that slice. That right. would be Coriolis. So if you go above a tangent, then you're entering that. If you say the atmosphere is rotating with the Earth, then you you need to to uh, live by the consequences, and the consequences are. That if I uh, project out above the tangent, I'm entering a speed like a, on a cylinder. But if I go steeper and I project at an upward angle, even a little bit, I'm entering an area that you say is rotating faster than the area I left, not slower. So it would be reverse. I mean, I don't see how. I, I, I think I, I think I, think I see what I you're see saying, saying, but. Well, uh, you said the atmosphere is rotating with the Earth, so yes, if it's yes. rotating with the Earth, then uh, but it does move that's around, the consequences, man. Well. There's no getting around it. Yeah, but you're talking about a hypothetical cylinder. The Earth is a sphere. If if you you think if you're you must have been on a train when another train overtakes or, or or you overtake the other train, you look past and they seem to be going backwards as you go past. If you threw an object from your window direct at the window next to you it would miss because that train is moving at a different speed. That's the same effect as Coriolis. Okay, so You're you going can from see one those, speed, speed to, another, to speed. another speed. Right, so you can see that if we go up above a tangent, we're entering a region of faster tangential 
uh, speed, basically more angular momentum. Well, the fact right? is, we're not measuring our position against the atmosphere. We're measuring our position against the the land. We fired you from a cannon at the equator, northwards, aiming somewhere directly northwards. But because you start off with a faster tangential velocity, you'll miss. You'll be, you'll veer to the to the eastward if we're firing that's, north. Yeah, that's what they say. But you have the atmosphere moving with the Earth. So let's say if I'm a sniper and I'm laying on my on on my belly on the ground, and even if I'm at a firing range and I'm uh, aiming slightly uphill at the side of a hill and my bullet never enters, never gets down lower than my tangent, then I'm, my bullet is entered. I don't, I'd like you to address this, um, that you have your atmosphere rotating with the earth. So don't try and separate the land again. You have them both uh, rotating together. So I'd like you to maintain that consistency. So if the bullet, leaves the ground which is rotating at a certain speed and it goes up slightly it's actually entering a region that is faster it is literally faster if it's at an upward angle until that bullet drops down beneath that tangent okay then there's no getting around it i mean well you're talking uh, obviously talking over a very short distance i don't know what distance you can fire a sniper's uh bullet a couple, a couple yeah, of miles yeah. say and now if you're talking about firing uphill i know what you're saying that's a a wider radius uh, uh on the earth so therefore it's it's rotational uh, uh, velocity is slightly different possibly possibly that would affect the coriolis maybe cancel it or maybe even more so the other way yeah but, so we need to, we need to uh, get with the military and correct the uh, tables man because uh that yes, could have serious implications for like coriolis i think it's the Elias effect the fact that the bullet's spinning that's why everything seems to deviate to the right uh i think it, uh, i don't think we know for sure exactly what it is if at all but i want to say one more thing on that um, it's not just a sniper in the short range. Almost every projectile is uh, firing at a target of equal height or even higher. Uh, like on ships, uh, they could be firing from the ocean up up onto the land, and they start their bullets always start upwards. So, like I said, uh, I'll end it with this on that. Uh, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but if the atmosphere is moving with the Earth, then we have a reverse effect with the upward angle. As long as as long as the uh, projectile never dropped beneath the the tangent line, then but, right. we'd have to right. do the calculations different. With a missile, we're talking about the path over the ground it takes and the point where it lands. You've aimed at a point where it lands. It actually doesn't matter. So, where, so which, no atmosphere. Which, hold on, hold so on, on, please. Right, let me speak. Let me speak. Let me speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, as it goes through that air, a, apart from the fact of the air possibly affecting the path. It doesn't matter if it's ahead of or behind where it should be because of the speed of that air. What matters is the target you aimed at. And with Coriolis, if, if you fired north, then your 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 bullet, your missile, is going to want to tend to move to the east. I and see. I would so like an explanation. Like why do yeah, okay. uh, weather uh, systems weather rotate systems one way in the north, way in north of the equator and yeah. the other way in and the, the south? Yeah, me too. I need an explanation on that. Okay. Uh, okay. Enough, you don't know. Hold on. Two things. No, 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 no. Yeah, you say it's Coriolis, except yeah. for the yeah. hurricanes. A, I live in the hurricane belt. It's a freaking hurricane out there right now if I turn this camera around. But it's finally slacking off. But uh, so you want to attribute that to Coriolis. But the, uh, I've seen a couple of these storms uh, rotating the other way, and it would only take one. But then uh, you want to attribute that to conservation momentum. And I look into it, and, um, you know, the pendulums, uh, 
they deviate uh, clockwise and the hurricanes deviate counterclockwise. So if you start with a storm, not only that, with a storm coming from the equator like, and working its way up um, toward the coast, any of them that hit the Gulf of Mexico, they're flying directly in the face of Coriolis, but the spin itself is directly not conserving momentum. So I'm, I'm the one who needs an explanation on that. Why does a pendulum go clockwise in the Northern Hemisphere and a hurricane go counterclockwise? Please? Yeah, the bigger question, Brian, is if it goes one way in the Northern Hemisphere, why does it decide to go the other way when you go south of the equator? If it's a flat plane, any, any effect from rotation of that flat plane will be the same, if not worse, going further south, further away from the centre. Well, reverses. I suppose that uh, if we thought like that, we would have to assume that if we're on a globe, every storm would be a hurricane come from down there. Uh, the fact of the matter is it's only the storms with enough energy. Vortexual, vortex science is, uh, is cutting edge, man. It's, it's interesting stuff. But I'll say this. You could take a plate in a swimming pool and just take and, and wave it through the water. And um, what will happen is it'll cast a shadow onto the bottom of the pool and it'll have a clockwise vortex off to the right, like going toward the, uh, the northern hemisphere or it's opposite and then counterclockwise to the right and then clockwise to the left. OK, and what will happen is the shadow, even after you remove the plate, just one swipe of the plate, it'll track right along the pool like and there's nothing there. It's, it's so you're just, talking about actually brushing brush the plate the through the water. Yeah, just brush yeah, the yeah, two vortexes. Yeah, of course you're yeah, going to get a vortex get each way. So what are you so suggesting you causes suggest these vortexes? Because I can explain it. Um, uh, what, what happens, happens is, is if you've got air at the equator moving north to try and head towards a low-pressure system, unfortunately, it's got an eastward velocity. The area it's, it's wanting to head towards has less velocity, so it starts to miss it but it's being attracted towards it. So it starts to curl back round. Then you get that curving spiral effect of storms. And uh, <laughs> below the that, equator, it's the other way round. Is that right? You're going to tell me that they start... They, so when they form off the coast of Africa, right above the equator, so you're telling me that they start going uh, eastward? Or do they head northwest? If I can and then they it. start. Then they level out, and some of them head off to the left. And uh, I'd say, yeah, the majority of them head off to the right up the coast. Okay, Florida is kind of like the uh, split point, the Panhandle. I mean, not the Panhandle, but the peninsula is kind of like the splitting point. But um, so you're telling me that Earth curve took a day off for the storms like Katrina, yeah. the yeah. ones that hit the Gulf of Mexico. My point being is, uh, you still haven't explained uh, if it's the Earth spin. Why is it going opposite of uh, of the of the pendulum and the gyroscope. Right. Here's, here's a diagram of the, a gross diagram about the flow. As you can see, the red arrow is heading from the equator via to the east. The blue arrows, uh, arrows from the north uh, 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 heading towards the west because of Coriolis. So as you see, if they're both, if we look at, I don't know if my mouse is showing, uh, where is that? Around Spain in the middle of the, 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 the diagram. Um, if that was the low pressure area, you've got air rushing from the north, air rushing from the south, but both of them are trying to miss it due to Coriolis. So they have to start turning and then you get the spiral of weather systems. That is how it works. This is this really is not rocket science. It is very well known. <laughs> so no weather systems without being on a ball then, right? Sorry. 
So no weather systems unless we're on a ball that's rotating. Is that what well, you're trying I, to I say? Don't need, I, I, I'm not trying to defend flat Earth or any other shape Earth. I'm defending um, globe Earth. And the science works. Coriolis. Yeah, well, I'm good thing. with that, man. But the honest stance is, uh, you know, you think it's that and, uh, and here's your evidence. But to act like we know for sure that that's how things, you know, there's always uh, Mother Nature don't like to be pinned down. I'll say that. And uh, there's always other explanations. But uh, I understand the globe does have an explanation. I'll give you that. But you still haven't explained if it's conserving momentum, okay, the angular momentum, the tangential speed. Okay, why is it opposite from the pendulum? So you're saying it's not it's not conserving momentum then? Which which I, one is not of, conserving top, momentum? Right. Brian, off the top of my head, I don't, uh, I can't recall which way uh, pendulums uh, north of the equator and pendulums south of the equator Wait, uh, will veer off of their original path. Um, but I do know that north and south of the equator, that uh, precession of the pendulums goes the opposite way, and, and it varies by latitude. Okay, can you? I've, uh, I've, I don't know if you've ever tried that, but uh, we've done. I've done pendulums live on on streams and um I, I don't think they're as reliable as you think they are but uh they, 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 uh, hold on um let me see let me get to my point my point is is that um can i'd like i've been searching and i can't find any pendulums uh in the southern hemisphere from any of the colleges any of the schools i'm not saying they're not out there but i've been searching i can't find any um i'm not saying that it, it they they don't exist but um if you, I, I give up on my search. If you can uh, ever uh, post one of them, you, you may have one on hand. But I, I would really like to see that. I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Well, as I said, depending on how far uh, north or south you are, the procession uh, is at a different rate. Uh, and you can, if if you let the pendulum swing for a while, and it needs to be a very long pendulum, a very long pendulum that's running for quite a while. You can't just have a little handheld one. That you know, little thing like that. It wouldn't wouldn't work. Um, you can see the angle of the procession and calculate your latitude. That works. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think Pocahontas was uh, sorry, good. Sorry, I was going to say I think, think Pocahontas was uh, was questioned. You know, for him acting like you know, I think that was questioned. I I, I have uh, the GPS engineering documents that say the Sanyak effect, which is similar, is not due to Earth rotation. Uh, that's arguable. I didn't bring them, so I, I'll. Uh, in fact, forget I even mentioned it. But, uh, <laughs> oh no! Oh, no. What are you no, saying? Are you saying that is cool. Right. It proves. You know. Um, let me say this. Um, you know what? Go ahead. I'll concede after after making that. Uh, I'll I'll bring it next time, or I'll show you after the debate. Yes, we'd okay. have to have a word with Mr. Bob Nadell. Thanks, Bob. Who proved that the Earth was rotating at fifteen degrees per hour by using? Yeah, I knew. I knew that was going to come up. I knew that was going to come up. You guys, you guys, at the same time. Go ahead, Brian. What were you saying? Yeah, I was going to say I knew that was going to come up. Even no matter what he does, he's always going to live with that. He posted the results that at the same latitude, he changed heights, and um, and it and it changed. You know, which is which is what we would expect. If it's uh, toroidal or vortexual, but uh, we got a uh, over one degree um, faster rotation, as you want to call it, the Earth rotating. So the Earth speeds up um, over one degree if you go up a mile or two. Yeah, his yeah, his, his other readings, which I don't think he's officially published yet. Uh, my understanding <laughs> is that they are within the bounds of uh, of error of measurement. But also, so. what else 
can affect the lasers within a ring laser gyroscope, which is sealed. It's not magnetic. That's it. So the effect, man. Yeah, Sagnac effect, which which is caused by the path of the light one way being longer than the path of the light the other way because it's moving. That's the only way it happens. Yeah, the Thanks only way. Me. See, for you to say that, that's the only way. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's not an honest stance in my in my opinion. I don't think they, I'm not calling they, you a liar or nothing like that. But no, for you to say it's they, the only way, I think that's not an honest stance, man. No, it's an honest answer, and I appreciate you not calling me a liar, Brian. I do appreciate it. That's fine. The only other explanation could be if the speed of light changes if you send a laser one way to the other way. The reason we get the interference is that the path traveled by the light is longer. It takes slightly longer going one way than the other, and therefore you get the interference. That is Another thing that would cause that is, is if the field itself was rotating that's that's the uh the opposite stance for the geocentrist they claim it's the field rotating so that's exactly what we would see and also what we would see is it would be faster as you went up higher that's uh so when bob nodell and he didn't publish them like as far as into a magazine but he posted them and everybody went through them including me we just did it the other night and it's showing an additional over one degree at the same latitude and um if you want to say that that there's oh yeah well we expected that that's just a cop out we did it, it predicted 15 degrees an hour at at that latitude at any height uh, uh, stationary and within within about a tenth of a degree and it was way way beyond that which proves it's the field yeah it should still be and always be 15 degrees per hour within error bars because it takes 24 hours roughly to rotate completely. Therefore, it has, and that's 360 degrees. Therefore, in one hour, it has to be 15 degrees. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. Anybody thanks, Bob. All the arguments sound great on its face. And any of these you look into and scrutinize them, they uh, kill the globe. Like the, uh, I, I wanted you to address the, um, with, the, with the moon above the horizon, uh, way above the sun. The sun's sitting there like a degree or two above the horizon. And uh, like I, I went to uh, the triangle calculator and um, and it did show that it's uh, like if it's two degrees above the horizon, it's like three million two hundred thousand miles above your feet looking off at zero degrees. Uh, judging that as your feet, if you look up one degree, the sun is actually a million six hundred thousand miles above your feet. So that's how y'all explain the fact that the top of the moon is lit up the, with a moon above the sun. So that's fine. But how then could it simultaneously underlight the bottom of clouds? If it's 93 million miles away, that is a geometric impossibility. Right. Well, a couple of things. One, there is refraction when the sun is very low. As I said, the sun is actually lower than it appears. Therefore, the rays are shining upward more than um, you may think. Uh, there is absolutely no way for an underside of the cloud to be lit unless... The, the light source was, was throwing light rays up from an apparent lower elevation. elevation. So there's, only, what two else? there's only two possibilities, Brian. Either that sun is physically lower than the clouds on a flat Earth, which means someone's going to have a bad day and needs factor two million sunblock, or the, uh, the sun is below the Earth horizon, you know, the tangent line that is shining up tangent line and up to the bottom of the clouds right right i i agree if we had a sun the size of your model that close we would definitely need that sunblock 
But uh, what what also would be uh, is what what would things look like in the distance? What, how would the sun appear? You said it could be light refracting. So if the light was bending up, like like uh, you said, is the only other possibility. How would it appear to us um, if if the light was curving up? And how would other objects way off in the distance? How would they appear to us if that light was in fact doing that? Well, you got refract. You have refraction. So the the position of the sun is an apparent position just like um, with with the horizon. It's an apparent horizon because you have refraction. If And, and I know Fight the Flat Earth has had a bad time of it from people who don't understand. If I look at my hand, that's its apparent position. It's pretty much exactly where, where I look at it. But there's air in between. Air causes refraction. Therefore, no, it will be subtly different. I mean, that will I mean, be minuscule different. Minuscule. But when you're talking when about you're the talking difference about from your position to the horizon... Uh, that's that's a greater amount of air, a greater amount of refraction. It starts to affect things. Hence, that stupid black swan photo. No, I'm asking you though. Okay, so so that's your wait. Can you answer the, uh, a little more directly? If you said the only other possibility is if the light's been like hitting the bottom of the clouds, like if the light's curving up, or if, no, if the I sun's said, not. No, I said, in other words, if the sun's not actually that low then uh, the light has to be uh, bending up to hit the bottom of the clouds. And that, that I agree, that would be uh, one of the only other possibilities that would, uh, so that would make the sun uh, appear lower. And also it would make, um, if the light was doing that in the distance, it would make uh, like mountains in the background or it would make them appear lower. Right. Well, interesting. You mentioned mountains, the tops of mountains light up first at dawn. And as the sun lifts, the sunlight goes down, and at the end of the day, the tops of the mountains are the last things that are lit because the sun, uh, the, the rays of light from the sun are coming from a lower elevation. So my either or was either the sun really is physically lower than that mountain over a flat earth, which it cannot be, or you've got a curved earth and it is below that tangent line. Yeah, that's so a big up. problem in your model, man. Okay, no, it's uh, I just showed you the. I just hold on, bud. Shut it up. I just showed you the uh, the triangle calculator, and uh, like I said, uh, that sun that's one degree above the horizon is one million six hundred thousand miles above your feet. So, how can you explain the shadow hitting the bottom of clouds while casting a shadow down on the moon and down on the ground? Even if it's a long shadow with a one degree downward angle, that's still light coming in above me. And uh, for it to simultaneously cast a shadow on the bottom of clouds, that kills, that that proves the local sun 100%, dude. The clouds are a lot higher than you, Brian. This is a very, very big, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, but you've got the sun 93 million miles away. The earth is huge. The clouds are high. It's it's 3D and spatial awareness. You you. Uh, that business about oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. let me cut in real quick. Yeah, yeah but Brian, yeah, it is to do that because I made a note because you said about in your video you said about the the moon, which part of it was lit, and there's the sun over there. If you hold a ball up, you will find you know arms length. You will find that the lit part and the shaded part always match the moon. That whole point of that video was to show you that they don't. I have another video on my channel with a soccer ball up in a tree. And the point is to show you that they absolutely don't. But you just mentioned spatial awareness and said the clouds are high. Hold on. So if I go up in the clouds, the sun's going to change angles. Is that what you're trying to say? 
I just told you that the sun is a million six hundred thousand miles above my feet in your model. And you just said that I'm like, I don't know if you're talking about spatial awareness. You said the clouds are higher. So are you telling me that if I go up to the clouds, the sun's not going to come up with me? You're saying it's going to change angles or something? You can have uh, there is video on YouTube uh, shot from a plane with with uh, the setting sun shining up through the clouds. It's apparently lower than that plane. How can that be? If the That's plane is at 38,000 you're going to say that the sun is below 38,000 feet. If it's a million six hundred thousand miles above my feet. That's where the sun one degree above the horizon. Okay, if it's if it's like half a degree above the horizon, then it's eight hundred. And I got Glober's quoting this. It was in my presentation. If the sun is half a degree above the horizon, in other words, just peeking its head up, it's eight hundred thousand mile, eight hundred thousand miles above your feet. Now I'm not going to make this argument. If it's below the horizon, then you have a point. The problem is we're seeing all these um, all these phenomenons with the sun peeking up overhead or even up to five degrees above the horizon. That's a problem, bro. Okay, two things. Um, you can get this effect while the sun is below the horizon, once it's set. Satellites that you can see going across the sky are because the sun is shining, from your perspective, is shining up towards them and reflecting off them. Even aircraft, just after the sun has gone, high aircraft will still be in sunlight, but the sun's dropped below that horizon. That's impossible on a flat earth not if lights refracting upwards in fact well just a little just hold on hold on settle down if we just invoke a little bit of upward refraction okay just a tiny little bit enough to cause you know along with the angle changing due to it being local just about um a degree every 69 miles um that that'd be all it would take it's just a little tiny bit over the distance and then we would see the light hitting bottom of clouds we would see the, uh, the top of mountains being the last thing to go dark, but the shadow not being cast down, which is, uh, you know, exactly what we do see. But if you ever look at the, either the ISS or any of the other satellites, which it, it's always predicted exactly when they'll pass over. If you look at a website like heavensabove.org, they'll tell you exactly when they're going to pass over you, what time, what, how far above the horizon they'll be when they appear, how long they'll be lit, how bright they'll be lit, and when they go into the Earth's shadow. But that whole time you can see them, because we're talking about nighttime, the sun is not in view. And yet you can see them for, I, I think the maximum is about five or six minutes, coming, going right across the sky over you. But there's no sun. The reason yeah, you can see them see is because them. they're lit up. I, I agree with the, uh, my, my uh, point wasn't with, uh, I need to make this crystal clear. I'm not referring to uh, when the sun is below the horizon. Uh, that there it's a very small window with the clouds and uh, with buildings and stuff but there is a teeny little window for for light to maybe maybe go a little bit past parallel but there is a window i'll concede that but with the iss maybe you have more of a window being it's up high but uh once again um you know we're told that uh, if we go we could go to the moon and and the light the angle to the sun's only going to change it uh not even a, a eighth of a degree uh, the, the sun's going to follow us up um, if it's above the horizon, though. So my, I will concede that if we're talking about the sun underneath the horizon, I, I'm not arguing that. I would attribute that to uh, to light um, to light Brian, refraction. Brian, um, if you drive along at night looking at the moon, it appears to travel along with you, or the sun, it appears to travel along with you. If you were going to 
uh, taking a trip to the moon, the sun would appear to, you know, if you're going straight, it would still appear in your window the same position because as I demonstrated, the light is all but parallel. It is within half a degree. Sun's quarter of a million miles away. So, sorry, the moon's quarter of a million miles away. Sun is 93 to 94 million miles away. The angle uh, of uh, the angular size of the sun is about half a degree. So the rays of light are virtually parallel. So, so that's why that's what we're saying, we're saying position. All them photos I just showed. I mean, I just showed a, a stock of them. I, I've even uh, had a bunch of them from Soundly's channel with them showing a sun above the horizon, hitting the bottom of clouds, casting with a sun above the horizon, supposedly casting a shadow up on the mountains. They're, you're telling me it's parallel, but it's a million six hundred thousand miles. I, I can't put enough emphasis on that above my feet. And you're telling me it's hitting the bottom of clouds. And uh, casting shadows up and also casting a sh uh, shadow on the ground at the same time? Brian, That's Brian, not parallel. I think, this, I think you're thinking of this the wrong way. Uh, when you're saying that the sun is a million miles above your feet, you don't think of that. It's the angle. How far angularly is it up or down? Now, One degree. Um, when you said, yeah, but when you, yeah, okay. But when you said it's a million miles, you're talking about a million miles between a tangent from your feet to where the sun would be if it was at zero degrees to um, the distance vertically to where it is at an angle of one degree. The important thing is it's only one degree or half a degree or whatever. The million miles or whatever, that doesn't matter a, a jot. Right. So one degree uh, sun will cast a, a shadow about 26 meters long with a one meter stick. It's, it's all, you know, they show it in sun calc. Uh, if you go to sun calc, that stick, that's attached to the ball that represents the sun represents a uh, one meter tall stick. So it tells you the shadow length. Yeah. And if it's just, yeah. if it's sitting on the horizon, my point is to say that, um, okay, it's casting a downward shadow, however slight it's that's light coming in downward. So it can't come upward. But the point in saying how high it was, is uh, you said that uh, the balls always match. The point is, is we've, we've documented, you know, every month, there's a couple days out of the month where it doesn't match the balls that we put up uh, above uh, above us and uh and that's like, explanation like anyway in the that. debate the explanation you know i'll sh well it was in my uh opening this is the very first thing i showed well, and, well, uh, I, and, I, and I, the explanation I, is this the explanation is uh is the math the math, the fact that if you calculate the sun one degree it's a million six hundred thousand miles above that's the explanation and that that is uh, I, I will uh, present that after the debate too so well, well, Brian, um, I came across another flat earther some time ago who'd mirrored someone else's video, uh, holding a ball and saying it didn't match, didn't match uh, the moon that was also in shot. And I did a debunk video, and one of the flat earthers actually said, "Actually, sorry, you're correct." The other one just never responded. He was wrong and didn't back down. Um, well, it only happens like a couple see. of times out of the month, bro. So if you didn't do it at that exact time. Then yeah, it, it will match. Why should it most be most of the time, it does match. So, uh, I, in my own, in my channel, I, I put a ball up in a tree to show it's. So if you tried it at a different time, then uh, usually it does match. I'll, I'll even concede that. But there's times of the month it doesn't. But it depends on your position. What I did was I put a ball on on a pole about a meter long, um, and then depending where you are looking round that ball, you you would see a different amount of the shadow. But if you've got them pretty much right next to each other in the sky, so I've got the ball and there's the moon, sort of pretty much next to each other visually, they will match. 
if I look and there's the moon over there, it's a half moon, and then I hold a ball over there, it's going to look different, of course, because I'm seeing a different face of it. If I turn around and hold that ball right next to the moon, they'll match. Yeah, but there are, I mean, the moon is uh, is tough on models, I'll say that. Like I said, the hold on, hold on. The explanation is that uh, it's actually above the sun, but uh, that, that brings me to the uh, selenelium, okay? The geometrically impossible eclipse. I understand y'all have an explanation, but it's yep. not the yep. geometry that you're acting like always works, okay? And you can invoke that. Uh, like I said, on my own channel, I have I, I, I do concede that it usually will match the, the ball up above us, but it doesn't always match. I have it in my own video. And uh, and and that's like the selenelium with the moon on the horizon and the sun also on the horizon. And yeah. Um, yeah. and so they're both, you know, and once again, I, I do want to bring up that if that well, sun's on, on the horizon, it's at least a million above our feet. If we didn't have an atmosphere, it wouldn't happen. It can only happen because we got an atmosphere. The sun's being refracted, so it looks a bit higher. The moon's being refracted, so it looks a bit higher. In actual fact, they're in a dead straight line to give you that eclipse. But the refraction oh, wait, wait. So has the, been so, the, so the sun's not, um, if it's, uh, let's say if it's two degrees above the horizon, it's not uh, 3,200,000 miles above my feet. Or if it's that's one not, degree, it's not. It's not a million six hundred thousand because that's your that was the explanation. That's the across the table, the Glover's explanation on why the sun could be sitting on the horizon, the moon right almost in front of it, and the top of it lit is the fact that the right. sun's right. If you've got a solar eclipse, that's because the the earth is directly between the sun and the moon. And if you're stood on the terminator line, so you can just see the sun rising and just see the moon, okay then what has actually happened is they are in a dead straight line. So our shadow falls onto the moon. However, the, what we actually visually see is the moon lifted up slightly because of refraction, because it's so close to the horizon and the same with the sun. I would give you that. You know what? I would give you that is, is at least an explanation, you know, at least you have an explanation, but even that fails because, yeah, correct what, correct because when the shot, no, it's not because when the shadow does come in, it comes in from the top. So even if I gave you that refraction, which is, crazy kind of to me but it's at least an explanation when the shadows do come in the the two that i've seen they came in from the top so that that whole idea is done don't bring it up again dude ever <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> um you did mention something the very very first point in your video you said a magnetic focal point of the sun or something i really really didn't understand what you were talking about there well, I was trying to explain it. Uh, it's like a magnetic focal point of energy um, in that model. Um, the best I could do is that, like I said, I could show you the um, the pictures of the thick cumulus clouds. And uh, the explanation I've got from uh, from uh, the in debate is that it's washing out these cumulus clouds. Um, I think that uh, that's that's a stretch. These cumulus clouds block the light. In fact, I depend on them in the summertime around here, these thick cumulus clouds don't get washed out by the sun. So when we look off in the distance, you know, and it's not cloud just right on the horizon, it's it's a little above, but it is off in the distance. I think uh, that could easily be explained if the sun is a focal point, like a focal point of energy, maybe even a focal point of light. That's the only honest explanation, I think, in my opinion, that would explain the sun appearing in front of these thick cumulus clouds. Okay, well, um 
Brian, uh, you said right at the beginning about some yes-no questions. I'd like to ask you, uh, this isn't a gotcha, but do you agree that the sun is approximately half a degree angular size in the sky? Sure. Okay. So would you also agree that if light rays were traveling from the left-hand side of that disk of the sun and at the right-hand disk of the sun, they can only be half a degree apart? That now, but you, now you're now you're trying to switch to the size. Like I'm going above a million six hundred thousand miles. No, no, no. The sun no, no, is no, no. the sun is eight hundred thousand miles I'm wide. Trying to so demonstrate that sunlight, sunlight would be parallel, near as damage. It's it can't come in further uh, from the sides from that distance. The geometry. Yep. If yep. if the if the cloud is bigger than half a degree, the sun can't wrap around it uh, unless it's closer to the sun. Uh, and yeah, that would change no, the angular size of the cloud. cloud. In other but words, I'm if you just have... Trying to, I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to establish that if the sun has an angular size of half a degree, if light comes from the left or from the right of it, it can only be half a degree apart, which is virtually parallel. If we're talking about a star, which is a point source of light, there is no left and right, so therefore the sunlight all comes... Uh, the starlight all comes parallel. I'm just asking if you agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with okay. that. Yeah. okay. Okay. But I, I was okay. just arguing that uh, maybe I jumped the gun. I was just arguing the angular uh, size relations. But. Yeah, because um, I, I showed the, the Eratosthenes uh, diagram and then stuck a load of Mr. Sensibles on there to show that uh, if I was 10 degrees away, I'm 600 nautical miles, 20 degrees away, I'm 1,200 nautical miles, 30 degrees, I'm 1,800. That relationship holds true. And then I showed a diagram with a flat earth and a local sun, non-parallel light with seven Mr. Sensibles, as you got further away, so the, the sun was at a lower and lower angle, the distance between them did not increase at 600 nautical miles per Mr. Sensible, at each of which is 10 degrees, but it got longer and longer and longer and longer, demonstrating that celestial navigation using a sextant could not work on a flat earth. Okay, I, I, I need a long response to that. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. I, I double checked these angles, and um, I, so I tried it at five degrees. Uh, I just went sixty-nine miles per degree. I think that's empirical. No matter what model you're going to use, we see sixty-nine miles per degree. However, you want to explain it, um, whether you want to uh, put the sun and the stars a, a gajillion miles away and measure from the center, that's fine. That works. Okay. Um, or if you want to use a uh, light refracting with a more local sun, but uh, then I measured it at ten degrees. It's still uh, sixty-nine miles per degree. It wasn't until I got out um, almost 1,500 miles to where it started uh, mismatching. So, like I said, it wouldn't take much refraction and uh, for the light to curve. That model that I showed from Trulon was um, was just that. It was a transform for flat Earth with a uh, with light refraction. And if you plug these uh, if you plug these observations into the um, models like uh, Cinemax and all that, that's exactly what we see. That's why the uh, other model works so good. The the sun and the refraction, the model did it for them. It fixed, it fixed the light, and it actually contradicted the globe uh, uh, to a certain extent anyway, but it didn't make it uh, totally unfeasible. But um, so it did take just a gentle angle. And uh, one more thing, if we measure, um, if you measure a, a triangle and you put in for 69 miles, for your baseline and you put in for your angle observation one degree, you get a height above the ground 
of 3,958.7 miles, the exact Earth radius. So I think that's obvious that that's how they got the radius right. was that right. they uh, they did the triangulation and realized okay. that okay. as they went further, that it wasn't working. So they uh, I think it was just easier to map it on a ball. And that's well, how they did well, it. Let me just, let me uh, just say uh, a please. Second, so you said she so tried, tried to map these out. And could you, sorry, could you just mute? Cheers. Um, and you said for the first uh, degree, it was 69. For the next one, it was almost exactly. I mean, I'm glad you're honest enough to say that. I'm pop, pop my diagram up again. Um, as you can see, each one is a, a multiple of 10 degrees. But look at the difference between the leftmost and the next left, Mr. Sensibles. It's huge. Basically, it gets more and more inaccurate the further you go around. But if you have parallel light with a, a light source a great distance away, all you're doing is curving around the, the a curved surface. So every time you curve 10 degrees, you have moved 600 nautical miles, 600 arc minutes from the, 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 the person who's got the sun directly overhead. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why I issued that as a challenge to any flat earther to draw basically a row of Mr. Sensibles each exactly the same distance apart and it equate to the correct number of degrees at the sun's light source. It can't be done. That's I'll do better geometry. than that. Uh, there's two mathematical models that I already presented and I've come up with my own. Um, so I, I just come up with a, a ratio or a refraction ratio and it's very ever so gentle and it's a uh, direct function of the distance so all you do is you this, this is how i did mctoon this is how i got the distance on his challenge but uh he said i used a sphere and i'll give him that i'm not trying to claim he owes me money but uh but i did get i did get the accurate um within the um within about eight miles um so what no, i no, did no, here's no, what no, i did no, i come no, up no, with no. a formula real quick i come up with a formula yeah, yeah. by doing the triangulation so you triangulate your your you measure your angle in real life Okay, and if you get, say, 30 degrees, you triangulate it with a height. So what I did is I measured from Polaris. I went uh, 69 miles and I measured a one degree difference. So that's based on no refraction. So then when I get off 30 degrees, I want to measure the refraction, and get my true distance. So what I do is I measured the, uh, the triangulated distance from 30 degrees and then I apply this formula um, 90 minus A, which is uh, using cosine over 90 times D, which is the triangulated distance, times point A, which is 1% of the angle. It's a, just a, a, and it works until you get down to the horizon. In fact, at a, a lot of the degrees, it's on the dot matching the uh, 69 degrees per mile on the dot. And uh, But them other two uh, had it mathematically modeled out. So there's your, your challenge is answered three times in one, one paragraph. Well, uh, I just want to say with regard to MC Toon, okay, I can tell you that he is a 100% honest person. And if you either met his challenge or let's say you met his challenge because he hadn't got the rules correct and you've sort of solved whatever, he would pay up. Okay. I, yeah, that, I that's not a contention, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not yeah, contending yeah, yeah, that yeah. he okay, I, just want to make I, I did read the rules. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, but we know that every 69 miles you move away from the pole, the, the Polaris drops one degree. Now, if that's a flat surface and you draw triangles at, at 10 degrees, uh, 20, 30, 40 degrees up, you're going to get differing heights of Polaris. Wow. 
Well, let's see you draw triangles, uh, Mr. Sensible, on your ball. Draw triangles and tell me the triangle. I don't need to because we don't use triangles. Nobody needs to. Listen, nobody needs to. It doesn't matter. Nobody needs to. The the point is is that the height is not in any of the calculations in celestial navigation. So you can't you can't try and pin it on us to to provide a height. It's not part of the calculations. Period. It wouldn't work on the surface of a sphere unless you transfer them angles down to the center and put your stars and sun like an infinite amount of miles away. That's well, the only way well, to make it work. So don't act like it just works hunky-dory. There okay, are explanations. Okay. Right. Well, I already established that starlight is parallel. Time to because, okay. Um, I guess, well, let, yeah, we'll leave it there then. That's fine. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for having that open, vigorous discussion. It's fun. Let's go ahead and kick it into the Q&A in just a moment. I just want to let you guys know that we will be having a – well, um, the RHE podcast is having an uh, after show uh, directly following this uh, episode. So um, I believe Mr. Sensible said he would be able to pop by for a little bit. I don't know if Brian will be able to, but he has the link. So um, I will be showing up there also. So if you guys want to show up there after the sh- debate, that would be great. Um, also our guests are linked in the description below. So if you like what you've heard from either of them tonight, please go ahead and click their links and show them some support, uh, show MDD some support by liking the uh, video, sharing the video, subscribing as he has many more juicy debates coming your way. And I will go ahead and start the timer for the Q and a, and let's go ahead and get into that. So of course, super chats go to the top of the list. So if you have a super chat, we still have some room there for that. Um, and we'll try to get to the other ones if we have time. Uh, first super chat comes from Witsit Gets It for $4.99. They say, it can't be proven that the Earth is in movement. Hawking agrees it's a philosophical decision based on the Copernican principle. It's a religion. I believe that's for you, Mr. Sensible. You're muted, by the way. I think what he was saying, and I... what. Who do you say Hawking? I thought it was Einstein. Uh, optically, if if you look uh, at the moon, is the moon moving or are we moving? We're in different different frame of reference. So, who is right? There is no correct frame of reference. But um, yeah, we, we you can't tell just by looking that we're moving. Quick point. Quick point uh, for Austin. Yeah, I think that was his point. Is that there's no way to prove that it's the Earth spinning they pick the uh the ladder uh on philosophical ground because they don't they can't stand the thought of uh of the horrible position of the sun being in a unique position or the earth being in a unique position and and the rest of the universe paying homage directly to us so that's why they chose the ladder yeah well i said optically but if you uh use uh, a gyroscope like Bob did. Thanks, Bob. You'll find that we are moving. And if we're not, you've got the entire universe rotating around us around. every 24 hours, which I think you're going to need a bit of evidence for. That's funny because Einstein yeah, made look, his quote after that experiment. Word. It's his super chat for him. So we all let him have the last word. So let's go ahead and move on to the next super chat from Malvia for $5. I hope I'm saying that right. For um, They say, Ridiculing Fleurfers is a must, Kaz. They refuse to do the experiments that will prove the Earth is round. They are, well, whether or not it is a must, that is not what this uh, platform is for, as far as I'm, as far as I understand it. Uh, James's uh, 
his vision is to provide a neutral platform that uh, is an equal playing field for everyone. So we try to foster that environment by not insulting each other and ridiculing each other. Um, what we do is ridicule their ideas with facts, logic, and reason, hopefully. So uh, I hope that um, if you want to ridicule their ideas, uh, I mean, I understand that there is a time and a place for that. Uh, start your channel. Um, we can all do some kind of maybe uh, collaborations in the future. I don't know if James will do that, but I'm certainly okay with ridiculing certain bad ideas. But um, other than that, uh, can I put a quick response to, to that? Can I make a short response to that? Sure. Um, sure. Uh, that's why I posted a couple models and then I just supplied another uh, formula to uh, just to try and, you know, whether I subscribe to their models, I don't think I can prove any model 100% anyway, but I just wanted to present them to try and cut down on the ridicule. So to give them people something to go look at and, and try and prove wrong. And uh, so that's what I recommend that guy do. All right, let's go ahead and move on from a commercial sound and video for $2. They say, can a Glober show a measurable curvature? Mr. Sensible. You're muted again. Sorry, I'm trying to be polite so I don't uh, make noises. I sent a balloon up called Mage uh, to 38 and three quarter kilometers and took video evidence showing the curve of the earth. And to rule out any claims of distortion, uh, the camera that was used was not a fisheye lens. It was not a wide angle lens. It was a non-distorting lens with two strings that were held taut across it. The horizon was curved and the strings weren't. So, so I have put I, my money where my mouth is and carried out an experiment. So no circle of sight. In other words, if uh, if we took you pick, took a picture straight out ahead, and there was a little bit of curve. So when we turned, uh, what did it start over, or did it keep on curving down, or or is the horizon a, a equal distant circle of sight? It's an equal circle of sight, but it's um, if the Earth was flat you would see further in one direction, unless you happen to be right in the centre at midday, then the sunlit portion would be identical in every direction. Uh, it was not midday, and yet all you could see was identical in every direction. And it wasn't just visually. Uh, radio stations 400 miles away could, could uh, pick up the signals. Those that were further away couldn't because they were around the curve. And if anyone wants to see that, I've got uh, a whole... Um, playlist of mage videos on uh, uh, my Mr. Sensible Live. But actually, if I may, quickly make an announcement. I am sending up Mage 3, and I want to open this to any and all flat earthers. If you can come up with an experiment of reasonable price uh, and not too heavy, please contact me. I'm happy to lift a flat earthers experiment to hopefully 38 kilometers so you can try and evidence the earth as being flat. Just contact me. That'd be great. First thing Let's we did ahead. is set up a drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, hopefully you'll get a chance on the next one. Uh, Carney Karn for uh, five uh, euros, I think, uh, says, do you think it's a problem for Flat Earth that all navigation is based on the globe while Flat Earth cannot field any workable alternative? If not, please explain. Uh, that second model, that's, I mean, y'all keep saying this, okay? That second model uh, was for celestial navigation okay it's a transform okay there's explanations for why we see what we see but it it's functioning and that that equation that i just the formula i come up with myself 
uh, it works for celestial navigation. That's based celestial navigation is based on a celestial sphere with flat baseline distances in circles of equal altitude. Uh, okay, there's no height. Okay, so for you, the globe to try and hog 60 nautical miles per degree, no, that's that's empirical. Whatever's causing that, that's what's in debate. You can't say it's 69 miles per degree at sphere. That doesn't work on the surface of a sphere without assumptions. And that's assuming that stars are, are way, way far away and assuming that there is a, a center of the earth to measure to and equate the measurement. So it's it's a model. Don't, nothing more, nothing less. Can I respond quickly? Uh, real quickly. Well, we yeah. have to let him have uh, a battery. Right, Brian. Uh, a nautical mile is one minute of arc, 60 minutes of arc in one degree, 360 in a, an entire sphere. It's all to do with the angle of the start from your vertical. It's based on a sphere. Right. And I get, I think I get the last word. It's based on, and we do the math, based on the stars circling. Okay. We get the azimuth and the altitude. Okay. Y'all are questioning the altitude. That's not what's in question. That The stars do a a constant circle okay they uh, they do it's a pattern it's almost like a clock up there you know for seasons and uh time and and the math is done based on the position in that circle at a certain time of year and depending on the time of day okay so the the sphere that has nothing to do with it you, you're trying to hog the 16 nautical miles per degree that's based on a celestial sphere model Okay. Um, we do still have room in the super chat. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to send a question to our uh, debaters, go ahead. Um, but uh, once that do, does fill up, I will let you guys know. Uh, but in the meantime, I do think that to get to all of the questions and try to make sure that there is room for more super chats, we should just try to let the person who is being addressed answer the questions from here on out. Uh, the next question is from Pineapple Platypotamus. I hope I'm saying that right. It says uh, for $9.99, uh, flat earthers do not have a sense of humor. They're always, um, well, this is kind of an insult. Um, let's just move on. Uh, from uh, 499, what's it gets it says, Hawking said, you cannot prove the earth is in motion. It's chosen due to Copernican principle that the earth is insignificant. That's a religion. It's kind of an insult to religion, but whatever. I yeah, that's based, all that was based on after the Mickelson-Morley and everything you're saying, Bob proved them experience have been around for a long time as sensible. And they all say Nicholson. that it's not proven. Nicholson Morley was also to do the ether. Um, uh, but, sorry, I've, I've missed what he said. I, I've missed what he said. Could you read that again quickly? Sure. Um, Hawking said, you cannot prove the earth is in motion. It's chosen due to the Copernican principle that earth is insignificant. That's a religion. But we do know the Earth is in motion, orbiting the sun, because we know that the outer pal planets, we can see them traveling across the sky, and then we get retrograde motion when the planet apparently goes backward for a while before returning to its original path, because we've overtaken it in our smaller, faster orbit nearer the sun. Um, one second. Did I miss something? So Hawking's wrong. I missed the question, I think. Um, uh, from Pineapple Platypotamus says, why, for Fun 999, they say, why are flat earthers all Christian when the gospel says nothing of it? Uh, man, he's kind of, um, that's a fallacy. He's boxing, boxing us all into one mold. I don't have a, a 
certain exact religion, you know, um, I'm, I might consider myself Christian, but uh, I'll keep an open mind on everything. And um, I, all flat earthers are most definitely not Christian. That's crazy. And I, I actually support that. I think I mean, there's a large majority of flat earthers who are religious, but um, there are Christians who are globe earthers as well, of course. All right. Uh, Earth is life for $5 says, Brian, how could there be a Southern celestial pole on a flat earth? Uh, that's my pal right there. That's my, my, uh, nemesis <laughs> Earth. shout out to earth is life. Um, uh, I, I think I just did a good job showing you how in one spot, don't think about the shadows bending and twisting around on the earth. Um, one little square flat box, uh, you can show star separation. It's not much, Mr. Sensible. It's off toward the horizon, you know, like 20, 30 and start dropping down 20, 15 degrees where it starts becoming apparent. It's in Stellarium. Not much, but it's there. We can measure the separation. So that shows that there's, it's not any potal. It, it's uh, another star rotation. All right. Uh, next question from Witsit gets it for 199 says, got to teach the Globers. Yikes. Brian for the win. So you got a fan out there, Brian. Um, next question. I read this one and I skipped it. Um, I read that one too. Uh, from JT6 Mania for $10 Canadian says, <clears throat> plane moving east at the equator at 800 miles per hour plus 1,000 miles per hour momentum equals 1,800 miles per hour. Plane moving west 800 miles per hour minus 1,000 miles per hour against momentum equals plane flying 200 miles per hour backwards. Did you follow that? Yes, I'll I did it follow it. <laughs> yeah, I did follow it. Um, the momentum is the same. Uh, you're just adjusting your, or the plane is adjusting its speed against the earth that's underneath it. If I'm sat here, you don't say I'm moving at a thousand miles an hour plus zero. You just say, well, I'm moving at zero miles per hour. Um, I don't see what's so difficult to understand about that, but I'm afraid a lot of flat earthers. Uh, seem to think it is a problem. Whatever speed you're going, if you apply more thrust with that direction, you'll increase your your velocity. But it's only going to look like that increase, that 800 or whatever it was you've added, because the original 1,000, the Earth is still moving below you anyway. So is that. And then from Robert Summers for $5 says, did we ever get any evidence for Brian's constellation claim? Um, I, I mean, no globe earther would argue that the if it's the earth moving, the sun and the moon will follow the stars according to where they are in the ecliptic. Uh, I think I at least gave, I mean, to me, I gave something that demands answering, but I, you, you can go to sun calc. If you're at the equator, you will measure deviation. It's not a lot, but it's measurable. So, I mean, and like I said, you can see if you go out and look, you, you can't see the stars right. Some nights it, it, it varies. Let me just sum this up. OK, but we can always see the Orion's belt stay straight overhead and the head and the uh, feet uh, distort and deviate in the distance. That's a fact. Stellarium shows it. Just go to Stellarium, bro. All right. Just go um, and look at it outside at night. From one from Witsit gets it for one ninety nine says Einstein said pendulum doesn't prove rotation. 
for you, Mr. Did he now? I'd like to see that quote. Um, because right. we've got conservation of momentum, and with Foucault's pen pendulum, the pendulum uh, tries to maintain its its uh, uh, original back and forth swing, but the Earth is rotating underneath it. All right. From which it gets it once again for one ninety nine says Sagnac said it was the vortex of the ether. Okay. Uh, if he did say that, I, I, I'm not going to argue the toss because I don't know. But if he did say that, he's wrong. Simple as that. And I would like to say, Witsit, I did email you because I would like to have a debate. Uh, if you're up for that, please email me. And the gauntlet is thrown. From Witsit gets it once again for 499, they say, Relativity says the path contracts while in motion. Actually, so claiming Sagnac is because the path traveled is longer due to motion contradicts Einstein. When uh, the Earth is not rotating at relativistic velocities, it's only uh, traveling, if you're at the equator, at approximately a thousand miles an hour. Relative to coming to it. I got to respond to that. Um, there are um, implications, if, like I said, if you want to get the atmosphere moving with the Earth. So that means that every molecule, as we get higher, is somehow going faster that's and uh so that's going to be an action requiring some kind of energy and um and and that's not explained in science so there's no way of getting around it so the air that's higher up is has to be moving faster so what's the energy causing that to move faster if it's not tangential also where is the point that you're saying we can observe all these all these things that you're claiming where we could where's the uh inertial frame how high? I mean, you keep talking about it. I meant, I meant to say, where's the uh, the frame we can observe this stuff? You're talking about the airplane and all this stuff moving with the Earth, the atmosphere moving with the Earth. Where can we observe all this? Where can we see actual Coriolis? What what height? Well, if you were a, a, a ballistic object being launched from one place to another, you will experience Coriolis, you will see that the target you uh, were shot at has veered, if you're headed northwards, has veered to the left for some strange reason. If you were stood on the ground watching that ballistic missile, for some strange reason, your missile is not flying straight. It seems to be veering to the left. Why? Sorry, to the right. Why? You really must. It, really should, must. it should be veering the opposite way. Like I said, if you're firing at a, it's a projectile, not a missile, a projectile firing at an upward it's then it's entering an area that's moving faster. It should be exactly opposite of what you're describing until it drops down. You say that it's just the uh, the ground, but then you want to say it's the atmosphere moving with the ground. So you can't have both. I think you don't. Maybe uh, I'm not phrasing this correctly, but in my opinion, you're invoking the atmosphere moving with the earth, but not accepting the consequences of that. All right, well, let's move on. Maybe that could be the subject of the next debate. From Connie Cam for five euros says, why do maths work perfectly on a globe? But to make them work on flat earth, you have to get very creative. Can Brian explain how maths work on flat earth? I think I've already done that, but um, I think there are, there are explanations needed for any model. So, for example, the flat earth would predict if it's the... Uh, the local sun with the angles with a little help from refraction, we would predict that the sun would uh, linger on the horizon and um, 
that's exactly what we see. Now it's explained in the globe as refraction. Okay, so the globe also needs its explanation. So to be fair, also um, you give us this crazy long explanation about how the seasons work and the angle and the energy and all that. And it's simple. In reality, it's Occam's razor. The sun's closer. It's hot. The sun's farther away. It's cold. All right. Some all right. Reason, it, goes, it goes faster in the winter than the summer. All right. He's already explained the math. Fix your calculator. Roman Witzig gets it for four ninety nine. says, no, Hawking and Einstein both said you can't prove the motion of the Earth with any terrestrial experiment. Not optical. That's a different quote. Yes, I did see that super chat come up. So thanks for getting back on that, Witsit. Yeah, so Einstein did say that. I'm not aware of that other quote. Um, but yeah, with ring laser gyroscopes, we can detect that that gyroscope is rotating. If you can come up with another explanation as to how a ring laser gyroscope reads 15 degrees per hour, I would love to hear it. Gotcha. From Earth is Life for $5 says, Hawking also agrees that we live in a heliocentric solar system. Stop cherry-picking quotes. That's hostile witness. The best of witnesses is to use the quotes from the people that are that do not hold your point of view. So, um, you know, you, you keep uh, all anti-flat earthers, uh, not just human sensible, say, yeah, it proves the ring laser driver proves the globe. Look, these are the people who invented these machines, uh, said it proved just the opposite. Sanyak and freaking uh, Michelson, he ne he showed the uh, the necessary measurements for the ether with, with Sanyak and proved that it's the field rotating. But they conceded, uh, Einstein, that's why Einstein and Hawking and all of them said this, because they proved it's the field. And they said, there's no terrestrial experiment that can prove the motion. However, we are moving at 30 miles per hour or 30 miles per second around the uh, sun. I mean, it's, it's, it's a religion. I see what Austin's saying. Uh, I don't think you've addressed his, uh, it's questions permanently. Are you saying they're wrong, Mr. Sensible, that uh, that they did have the experiment? Well, we to move on. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, from Witsit Gets It says, for $4.99, so the only physical measurement of the curvature is a video viewing circumference of light, optically changing relative to angle. Yikes. Well, if you say that, then isn't it funny how every uh, uh, high-altitude balloon that films always happens to be slap bang in the middle of that lit circle and never right at one edge. That's interesting. And, of course, there's nothing to stop you instead of, I mean, it's wonderful you're doing all these super chats, Austin, supporting MDD, but there's nothing to stop you putting some of your cash in and sending up a balloon to show us that the Earth is flat. Right. And let's move on to Earth is Life for $5, says Brian. Lying about Foucault's uh, pendulum after making a video calling me a liar. Hilarious. No, I pointed out is dishonesty. Uh, not a direct liar. I, I think I let the, um, anybody go to my channel. It's the last video before the MDD introduction. Uh, if you, anybody wants to see the, in the introduction I put together, I apologize to James. I hope he's listening. I did not know. I, I genuinely did not know that um, that we could. I put it together right before the debate. Now that I understand, I won't do that again. I wasn't trying to be slick. I just thought I could make it easy and just consolidate my information and, and play it and talk about it. I, I'm aware now, but uh, to end it, I'm going to say that uh, anybody can go see what was originally talked about. Um, I was defending myself because you put out a video acting like you did what I claimed or challenged you to do. And it's clear you did not 
uh, take on the challenge. I'm not saying you won't, but at this point you haven't. Me. And uh, anybody wants to know about that, just go look at my channel. It's the second video. Sorry, Brian, a challenge to me, was it? Some outside it was outside. a challenge to uh, him to uh, to go film at night with uh, calmer conditions. And he went at like an hour before sunset with a uh, crazy shoaling and waves and all that stuff. I just it's just a little personal thing. All right. Am I saying that name that Foucault pendulum? Oh, yeah. And the Foucault pendulum is, uh, you know, it, it, it rotates clockwise. Uh, it's supposed to be conservation momentum. But the hurricane, anybody could look this up, y'all. The hurricane rotates normally, not always, but counterclockwise. The Foucault pendulum in the north rotate, rotates clockwise. Okay, So it can't be conservation momentum for them to be opposite. It, it could be something, but can't be that. Foucault's they pendulum isn't traveling. All right. From uh, the Crawdaddy029 says for $5, Brian, would you be willing to donate your brain to science? I think it would help you <laughs> find out. Okay. That's funny, man. Um, maybe after I die, yeah, man. I want, I want certain, pro I want certain promises to my family, though, man. But uh, yeah, I don't see why not, man. Hilarious, crawdaddy. Hilarious. From Robert Summers for five dollars says, "I didn't hear any evidence for the stars." Brian, do you have another positive claim that has evidence I could start my research with? The only honest stance is, is uh, you know, well, how twinkle, twinkle, little star, how we wonder what you are. So, you know, they've been singing that for, I mean, ever. But all of a sudden, we got it figured out perfect. I think the only honest stance is, uh, you know, we can model it as this. and uh, But it's a model. It's not proven. And it, chances are, it's one in a gajillion that we're spot on with our, you know, it's it's a model. It's good, a good model. I'll give it that. I mean, uh, it's worth the debate and everything. But. It's, we don't know what the damn stars are. We'll never go to one. You know, it's just speculation. It's a story. Austin likes to call it a religion. It's hard to disagree with that. Only I showed that the spectrograms uh, of the stars, we know what they're made up of. Brian, you have the last word. Okay. Um, you know, the guy who just saved hundreds of thousands, or at least probably, yeah, hundreds of thousands of life, updating the MRI, going against the... Uh, Kershaw's law proving it to be wrong. Okay. And they wouldn't, he had to spend his own money and publish his, his research and his uh, theories in, in the New York Times. Okay. That's what it takes to get shit peer reviewed today. And uh, so it went against Kershaw's laws. And Kershaw's laws, he then went on to prove that the sun can't be a gas. Okay. A gas does not emit continuous spectrum. It could be like graphite or it could be maybe some liquids at certain pressures and all that. The only thing, uh, we're, we're not in a lab with the spectroscopy, okay? Anything in between your observation is going gonna, is gonna to show up. Okay, so what's up there? Hydrogen, helium. Is, is that a coincidence? It, it, uh, he proved the sun. It, it could be anything. It's certainly not a gas. We know that 100% for sure. All right. Um, from what's it gets it for four ninety nine? they say. Again, Einstein said Foucault's um, pendulum doesn't prove Earth rotation. Yes, Earth's rotation is accounted for via relativistic application with the sky. For you, Mr. Sensible. I'm not sure what he's... I'm honestly not sure what he's uh, getting at there. Can you repeat uh, that, man? Uh, again, Einstein said the Foucault's pendulum 
doesn't prove Earth's rotation. Yes, Earth's rotation is accounted for via relativistic application with the sky. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what he's talking about, uh, about this relativistic application with the sky. But what we do know is Foucault's pendulum, uh, the amount of precession varies with your latitude. Uh, the closer you are to the pole, closer you are to the equator, you go beyond the equator and it starts to process the other way. It can't be on a flat disc. Right. I say disc uh, or other. It could be square, but it can't be on a flat surface. Object. All right. From Earth is Life for $20. They say, thank you so much. Uh, from They say, flights from Johannesburg to Sydney, which happens several times a week, take between 10 and 13 hours while traveling 550 miles per hour. How is this possible on flat Earth when these airports are on opposite sides of flat Earth? You're muted, Brian. That depends on what um, what map you're using. Um, you know, like a Mercator, I think is what they're using. It looks, you know, it looks flat to me. Um, whether it's a globe projection, you know, y'all say the ground's curving, we say the light's curving, okay? It's going to be the same damn map. That was my point to MC Toon. Is, uh, I did, so I'm not claiming that uh, he owes me money, but I was trying to come up, I show him an explanation of why we see and measure 69 degrees per mile if the light bending. So we're going to get the same measurement. So you can map it as a, with a, as a globe projection all day long. I, we gave an explanation uh, showing how that would work if it's flat. We'd get the same uh, the same observations, man. They're empirical. But to answer his question more directly, um, I mean, they're, they're starting. We've been uh, pressuring them. They're starting to come out with the actual speeds of some of these planes. And right now it's, it has the record speed, I think, of 801 miles per hour from, I think, New York to London. Don't quote me on that, but um, they keep getting higher and higher because we're pressuring them trying to get this information. So that's that's a 250-mile-an-hour jet stream. They never mentioned this years past. We're putting pressure on them. You know, people are timing shit, and, uh, and they're having to come out with this information. And uh, on a flat earth and uh, maybe even on a globe toward the poles or toward the extremes, the jet streams are going to be faster anyway. So in the southern hemisphere, you know, they, they like to say it's a pear-shaped earth. The Navy showed an animation of the earth that looked like a pear now that they've got satellites up. I could go on and on and on, but uh, the evidence for suspicion is there. And, um, you know, it ain't just a little bulge at the equator. It's, it's uh, bigger down there, pear-shaped. I, th I, th I think the point I think is the that point on a flat earth, travelling from traveling one side, from to, the side other, to the other would be right across the, across entire, the earth. entire earth. But in actual, in fact, actual fact, those those sides are, are closer to each other on a sphere, um, and it doesn't equate to the the travel times if you take that take flat that earth flat. disc. And why is there not a, a, a proper flat earth map? It should be easy compared to a globe map. All right. And I honestly, uh, I think. Let me get a quick last word, real quick. Um, I, I presented a, a flat Earth map at the beginning, and um, yeah, it would equate. We just need uh, faster jet streams of, of a couple few hundred miles an hour for them observations. I have a video, like third or fourth to last, showing with a UN map where um, you know you only have to travel about 550, 600 miles an hour for for South America to Australia, on, according to the UN map. So. All right. And uh, 
$5 super chat from Sean Hawkins. They say, why does Brian refuse to be humble when he demands humility from everyone else? I mean, I'm big on honesty, man. That's why I like debate, Mr. Sensible. Your answer is uh, concise and as honestly as you can. Uh, if you go to talk to somebody like Sean, I mean, Sean, you sit in this chat is opening yourself up for me defending myself. But uh, you'll never get a yes or no out of this guy. He, well, he's It's like debating a mule, no no offense. But, uh, you know, he's got his stance. I respect that. I hope uh, he can learn to respect my stance the way a lot of people do nowadays. All right. And uh, from Earth is Life for $2, they say James Webb Space Telescope. Flat Earth, done. Boom. Gee whiz, we just spent $10 billion to get, and uh, look, we see more stars in a galaxy. Oh, we can't explain. Uh, we can see the ones on the outside spinning exact speed as the ones in the middle. So all we did is uh, is zoom in on our on our grand problem with cosmology, where it's off by an unheard of factor, man. That's for them to bring that up and for you to bring up a high-altitude balloons, bro, it's crazy. You look at these high-altitude balloons, but look off in the distance, man. I, I mean, I understand you're defending your model, but, man, that's the best proof of flyer. Just look. Use your eyes, man. At, at least consider the possibility that since we're not seeing it curve, it's not curving. But, James Webb, a uh, waste of money, in my opinion. All right. So that's the last of our Super Chats. We'll read the rest of the questions if we can get to them. We have three more minutes left. If you send a Super Chat right now, we will read it next. Uh, Green Chili Bear at Modern Day Debate. Rising above the earth, at what point? Do we disconnect and see the earth spinning beneath us? I believe that's a oh, question. So, so sorry, so, can, you, can you say that again, Kaz? Yeah. Um, rising above the earth, at what point do we disconnect and see the earth spinning beneath us? Well, you're going to have to leave the atmosphere and uh, travel quite a long way, but it would never look like it's spinning because if you, if you look, it's going to take... 12 hours for a point on one side on that visible sphere to travel to the other. So it's not going to be whizzing around like that. Gotcha. And then we to got be, that, we to got be that, a, that, real quick, to be fair, we've been, we've been asking for a Let's go ahead and just uh, move on. From which it gets it for 199, they say Copernican principle is philosophy. It's Copernican principle is philosophy. It's religion. And then uh, Digital Demonic Davros says, uh, for $2, hypocrisy around here, come to Australia. I'm sorry, hypocrisy abounds here, come to Australia. Well, okay. I'd go, but I'd be frightened of dropping off the bottom. Hey, I'm just, I'm a, I grab my shovel, man. I'll be there in a few days, man. <laughs> Got another one in here from Sofa King. Sleepy says for $5. So you don't know where the sun goes at night, and then to bring up relativity as a reason why gravity doesn't exist? Yeah, I think he's answering Austin, but I'll defend Austin, man. Uh, we could see, I can show you observations of, uh, they say the sun just goes down and keeps going down. I could show the moon following behind it, pointing off to the right, and, and curve the light turning a little bit to the right. They say it's going down, but it, if it's a reflection on, of the sun on the moon, it's, it's going in a circle. That's uh, my opinion. All right. Um, okay. Regular questions back to that again. One toothy cow says, uh, for the flat earther, why does every government space agency, geologist, cartographer, astronomer, astronomer, physicist, and all the others spend so much money hiding the evidence? 
No, they're not hiding evidence. They have a belief, man. Um, I, I, man, I even if if I did the measurements early on, I would have initially mapped it out probably as a ball too, man. If I got the thirty nine fifty eight uh, reading at one degree sixty nine miles, and um, I, I mean it's a lot easier to model it like that, man. And uh, back then, you know, they they went with what they could work with. I think uh, you know, shit's progressing, shit's moving on. We're updating, we're learning new shit. We know, like they they invented the the sun model with it being a gas like back before any of the, the knowledge we have nowadays it's time to update move on it's a little more complicated but uh we're modeling it more and more we're learning more and more so uh bear with us all right so that should conclude our q a section sorry i messed up the timer there at the end but whatever um didn't get in any of our super chats there so that should be it i think there is one there is oh well it's not showing up on my list here yet. Let's see. Let me look at the live stream. Um, I think it's this will be the last one, ladies and gentlemen. MDD. So if uh, from which it gets it for four ninety nine, we bring up relativity because Globers don't understand it. We have to explain to the Globers and quote Einstein to debunk modern anti flat Earth claims. Well, I would say perhaps you're misunderstanding Einstein because he thinks Earth is a globe. Well, he knows it is. Shout out to Austin, man. He uh, is a big supporter. Thanks for uh, for helping me out too, Austin. Uh, I think to make his point solid is that all these claims were just to say, that's all we ever get is you don't understand or you're misinterpreting them. He made it crystal clear on some of his points that, uh, I mean, it's hard to misinterpret. So shout out to Austin. Good job uh, supporting me, bro. All right. So with that, before we go, I just want to thank moderators in the chat for elevating the discussion, James for creating the platform, the audience and everybody who sent super chats um, and everybody who uh, engaged in the conversation. Want to lastly thank you, the debaters, for you guys are the lifeblood of the show. So thank you so much for being here and engaging in this conversation. Um, pleasure. Everybody who's still watching, like it if you loved it, share it if you want to spread it and subscribe because we got many more juicy debates coming your way. Speakers are linked in the description below, so check them out. Do it now. Um, and thank you, everybody. Have a great night. There's an after show. Hopefully, the everybody will here will be there. If uh, not, hopefully, we'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.